0: listeners welcome back to the total football analysis podcast i'm your host adam scully and we're back with another regular episode of the tfa podcast for the past four weeks we've had some amazing guests on the podcast from outside our organization from goalkeeper.com's dr john harrison to the former sunderland boss jack ross to the washington spirit head coach mark parsons to most recently the former Udinese and helles verona head coach gabriella Cioffi. We've been getting a lot of good feedback on the episodes too, and so we'll always try and bring you as many awesome guests as possible, but we're also going to start bringing you some more tactical episodes where we speak to our own analysts about common trends in the modern game. And we certainly have an interesting trend for you all today, something that we have been keeping quite a close eye on lately on the Total Football Analysis website, with several pieces dedicated to this very topic. In today's podcast, we will be taking a look at the tactical revolution which is happening in football right now as a handful of coaches revolt against the establishment of positional play which has dominated football for more than a decade. This is the birth of relationism or functional play. Tacticians such as Fernando Dines have come to the forefront of discussions, Argentina won the World Cup off the back of shying away from Pep Guardiola's blueprint, and even Juan Malilo, the man that many credit with inventing positional play, has grown to hate the very thing he once loved and revered. All of this will be discussed today. Before we begin though, please make sure to rate the podcast, five stars hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast too. So, now, without further ado, let me introduce you to a TFA analyst, a newcomer on the podcast, but somebody with an amazing knowledge of the current tactical revolution in football. Someone who many will know from Twitter and his wonderful innovative pieces on the TFA website, Mr. Kyle Miguel. Kyle, it's your first time coming onto the podcast and certainly won't be our last. How are you?
1: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: No worries at all. I've, 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 Edited your piece on Monday morning. Well, actually Sunday night and it went out on Monday morning about Juan Malilo at Al Saad. We'll discuss that later in the episode when when we kind of deep dive into I suppose topics to give it context first. Mm -hmm. Firstly, I want to ask you what do you have on your agenda for this week then? What what piece is next? I know you publish on Mondays. And I usually edit your articles at the weekend, so I we have it in, in preparation. But I love I love editing your pieces because I'm always excited. You always have something different to, to bring to the table. What's up next?
1: Yeah. Um. Initially, I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna look at um Elvers. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna butcher that, but Elfersburg and <laughs> yeah, the uh, German division. But I've actually been thinking about something we've discussed the rest mm-hmm. rest possession. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna explore it because it is a concept that many don't really know what it means. Mm-hmm. So really break it down. Um. And then just go into like we're going to look at today, but in functional play, positional play, yeah, how it works in either because they are very distinct um, systems. So just really break it down and and look how where it's at.
0: Let's discuss that topic then. You already mentioned it there functional play, it's become a relatively new term, I want to say, in football. What does functional play really mean to you,
1: anyway? Um. Yeah, it's it's last year I believe um it's when it really exploded. Mm -hmm. Um it's basically it's it's not new um in the sense that it is very old. Um dating back to I mean you can look at teams in the seventies, they especially in Argentina, but Mm -hmm. um basically you have to start with Denise, um Fernando Denise in Brazil. Um it's a system where relation relationship with the players are prioritized over like predetermined sp- or structures um it's it's you know it when you see it uh it's very asymmetric in its structure uh there's a lot of approximation um it's kind of it, it looks like chaos when you're so used to Pep pep guardiola's like positional play and it's symmetric and um it's just a very distinct style to it's pep and um yeah and yeah
0: it does look chaotic doesn't it because as you said, and you 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 quite rightly made the point that we're so used to seeing so such beautiful structures on their on their pep and on their managers alike, Luis Enrique, Mikel Arteta, of course. And then when you see like even passing structures or passing networks at Man they are like so perfectly symmetrical. It's ge- almost ge- it's, geometrically
1: yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: perfect. And it, it, to be fair, it's satisfying to look at. And then you watch a yeah. a side, and you have just like players yeah. like, like like not saying it's the same but it's like when you play football as a kid and everyone just kind of rotates yeah. towards the ball yeah. or you know orbits towards yeah. the ball that's what it kind of looks like um it is a bit bizarre why do you think this kind of actually i i should say first the first time i heard of a functional play or as we'll speak about in the second another term is more like relationism um mm-hmm. i first heard about this topic in your article on Fernando Dinas. I had no idea about Fernando mm-hmm. Dinas. I didn't know who he was. You, of course, are our Brazilian expert at TFA, and and, and and so you were you knew fully well about Dinas. You wrote an excellent piece on him, which you can check out on the TFA website, by the way. It is written in July. So maybe like some parts will be outdated, maybe some stats or something that are in the piece maybe a little bit outdated, mm-hmm. but the, the principle of of his style is still very much um well versed in that piece. Talk to me about relationism as a as a term we, we spoke just before the the podcast started about a kind of a spectrum of relationism and positionism can you just describe those two terms and what the the spectrum means
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think the best way to look at it it is a spectrum um on one end you do have position positionism which mm-hmm. is more of um it's not necessarily positional play which we will look at um, it is systems that prioritize positions, formations. They they come into the game with the predetermined um structure. Uh we preconceived ideas of where players should be, what's the best way to create angles. Um it's it's really scientific in its approach, it's mm-hmm. rational. Um, on the other end, you have relationism, which is a bit more artistic in the sense it prioritizes the individual. Um, it, it really leaves it up to the players. Um, to, to make their own decisions about where they should be, um, how they should maybe turn or uh, control the ball, pass the ball. Um, it, it, it really relates to individual. Um, I think the whole dynamic between chaos and order, that really applies here. Um, not in the sense that relationism is absolute chaos, but when you let go of the idea that you can come into the game with order, like with your own idea of order, mm-hmm. That kind of limits what can happen, which is why maybe we'll discuss later. But positional play could be reaching a, a stalemate, a, pl- a play toll. But because there's only so much, it's it's kind of um, you can map it out basically. Whereas the other end, it's more chaotic. Um, it's it's I wrote it. Yeah, it's unstable and chaotic, but it can be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's beyond your imaginations what the players see on the pitch. It's where they observe it because it's one thing for us to look at a tactic board, tactics board and judge the player, the space that a player has, the his options around them. But it's a completely different thing to be in that position. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is a spectrum. Um, it, obviously, you can be in the middle. I think Croatia was a good example in the World Cup where you have the midfield, where they can go from side to side. You, you've, you've seen screenshots of all three of them on, on a wing, like the vertical channel all the way wide, which is... And then, but they still had some sort of formation with their four-three-three, mm-hmm. um, some sort of structure. And then, obviously, you can have Guardiola on the other end, which is just absolute order, like perfectly <laughs> structured. Um, and then you can have Denise, which for many it's kind of extreme. It's you can find seven, eight players in one, some like small area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just really the best way to see it in my eyes. Is the it's a spectrum
0: in terms of something you touched on there about creativity. I think it's really interesting because there is an argument, and I'm not the one putting the argument forward, I'm just playing devil's advocate, that positional play as we know it now, like Mm. Manchester City or like Arsenal, for example, or Spain at the World Cup as well, they limit, the the system limits the player's ability to make decisions, to think in decisive moments, because... A lot of the thinking's done from the sideline. You have the manager who has put in place patterns of play to help you break down certain certain defensive blocks to help mm-hmm. you deal with certain situations. You're not really reacting on, you're not really thinking in your 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 mind that's almost become the coach thinks for you. And then if yeah. things don't go right, you are not really able to adapt to that situation. And then you see teams that win the Champions League, they're always the best at uh, Perseverance. I know it sounds kind of cliche, but look at Real Madrid.
1: It's they, it's they... not perseverance. It's just that and like being comfortable in chaos. I, I believe. Yeah.
0: yeah, but you're able to adapt, I suppose, to the to to certain situations too. You can adapt to whatever the opposition throws at you, almost. And uh, like you know, like Ancelotti, you said about Croatia yeah. and that kind of on the spectrum, Ancelotti. Ancelotti's Real Madrid kind of falls on that spectrum too, and they're around the same area because you do see they have a structure. They have whether well, obviously it's a 4-3-3, but there's very much a lot of leeway given to the players. Like you see yeah. Vinicius Jr., he doesn't he hasn't limited him in the final tour. You know, like last season especially, he he gave Vinicius Jr. pretty much a free run of of the final tour. He kind yeah. of made his own decisions, Benzema as well, you know, not not really limiting Benzema to Tactical restraints as such, and it's those moments where the Real Madrid obviously went on to win the Champions League. But it's where it's more important that I suppose decision making comes into play from the players. And I suppose yeah. it's a little bit why Pep's teams have. Well, I mean, they haven't won the Champions League since what twenty eleven. It's almost yeah. twelve years now. Yeah. Um, whereas you see, like Liverpool, Real Madrid for the last couple of years, even Chelsea were great in the final two, mm-hmm. but they were very much, they were very much. um discipline from the first and the second tour and then they were yeah. very free in the final tour at Chelsea. You know, and they, they do really well. So I think that's interesting. Do you think, I suppose actually the question I want to ask you then in terms of functional play and relationism is, does it almost give too much freedom to the players mm-hmm. in the final tour or just in general to make decisions? Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very good question. I think creativity, you have to somehow... I think we all maybe unconsciously link it to liberty, freedom, mm-hmm. um, in Pep's defense. And I've seen a lot of his interviews, especially one with um Jorge Valdano. Yes. Where he basically mentions it's the way the way that it comes across is that he's saving the players from themselves from absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. It says um he wants to give them collective order to guide the individual decisions. So in his sense. He the players only in his mind actually the players only creative when he has a collective guidance when he has a system to operate in, um, which it's it's uh, this is almost like religion you can believe in it you can you Mm -hmm. cannot but yeah and then with Pep you can see with Grealish is a great example um while Pep has all these arguments you see with Grealish especially in the positional sense that it is very limited um and a lot of the arguments and. Why he has not been as effect- effective at City is just does he have maybe the positional freedom to roll? You saw at Villa how he used to drift into the central areas yeah. and really link with his players. Um. So yeah, I do think um creativity is it's an interesting thing, and relationism. I think it's more about it's it's the philosophy behind it. It's not necessarily how it plays out on the pitch. It's it, it basically for it to work, for it to be effective, you have to stimulate and put the individual in scenarios. Um, where they can be creative, creative in the sense of being able to figure out solutions for themselves. Um, it, it really goes back to the training ground. I mean, when you're training, um, you do positional drills where you the players are told what to do, where they're told where to go, where to pass the ball, um, angles, everything like that. Whereas I, 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 believe I'm not, unfortunately, seen the knees train as seams, but I imagine it would be something about putting them in scenarios. Where you base you don't really you put them in scenarios very game like situations, but they have to to find the solutions themselves. They have to really figure out for them, for themselves. And this is by restricting space, make playing with space, um, but really just throwing them in chaotic scenarios and letting them figure their way out. And I think this is where individual liberty and and creativity really shined, mm-hmm. shined. Um,
0: yeah. I I. I really like the point you made about Jack Reiters. I think he's probably the prime example of a player that has been limited to the, I suppose, the the, the downside of positional play. You know, yeah. when you have these this one of a creative player who was just unbelievable. I mean, we all remember Jack Reiters and that. Yeah. Was it the 2020-21 season? Oh, yeah. for Villa, it was incredible. I mean, goals, yeah. assists, dribbling, He like the low socks, like he'd get the yeah. legs kicked off. It's iconic. It was, yeah, it's iconic. He was incredible. Goes to Man City for at the time it was a, a British record fee of hundred million pounds yeah. and didn't, I mean, hasn't quite hit the heights yeah. and it's not that he's just turned into a bad player overnight. Yeah. You know, I understand the people that Jack Riddish almost has a reputation for being maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed, yeah. but I think that's a bit unfair, especially when you have a player that's so brilliant at making off the cuff decisions yeah. and then you've, think, you've, you've almost shackled them.
1: I think, I think Guardiola's, you can kind of relate it to the death of the 10 I was mm. um really exploring this it's not it's not that the 10 not we're not speaking of a, the central attacking midfielder. The it's more of the creator I think what Guardiola has done over the years is really leave the create the, the problem solving to the collective as a whole it is on is on the whole team to figure out the solutions um and that's why aside from SC I mean looking at Bayern and city can you really name a player or you can i mean you can maybe have the Bruin, but it's it's really difficult to find players that are like like Grealish that are like the ones that they'll find solutions where there is none and mm-hmm. maybe they needed that in against Madrid in the semi-final it's it's you kind of miss that or you don't really have that anymore because it is if you look at maybe Liguria Mars, look at his positioning it, it, it is kind of hard to be so impactful when you're a, a bit yeah. maybe restricted in your position
0: that's a great point, actually. The death of the 10 is something I'm personally interested in as well. I actually, I can't remember the guest. I spoke to a, a manager about this recently. I think it was Mark Parsons, the former Netherlands women manager. Um, I believe I was talking to him about the death of the 10. I could be wrong. It could have been Jack Ross. But anyway, he was saying that it was, like, um, it was quite a poignant moment almost in football. But mm-hmm. it was inevitable because of the way the game moved. Yeah. That those types of players would die out, especially those with limited tactical responsibilities off the ball as well as on the ball.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it was inevitable that they die out. I mean, a good example, obviously, is Raquel May. Of course, yeah. another one is probably Meza Ozil to an extent. He kind of yeah, lost, yeah. lost his way a little bit in the modern game anyway. Yeah. But those types of players did die. I think it is quite sad. I, and I want to keep on, on the topic of positional play for a moment. And, there's a lot of benefits to positional play. I mean, we 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 remember the Barcelona well, side yeah, of our of our yeah. of our childhoods. It was just absolutely scintillating football to watch. But you also see the the downsides, and the downsides for me have always been the repetitive the repetition of football almost in the modern game. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of tackle the tactical diversity at the minute, but for the last six seven years, a lot of teams have. Tried yeah. to copy a lot of what Pep's yeah. teams did, and that's not Pep's fault, by the way. I'm not here to hammering no, Pep no. Guardiola. I no. mean, people I, yeah. follow success.
1: I, yeah, and I think I think that's maybe the problem, um, because in in its in its nature, positional play, it's an incredibly complex system um, yeah. with with the rules and and the player must be able to interpret space and and know where to be, where to attack, his positioning in relation to the ball. It's a complex game. You, you require a very high level of players, and I think some some principles of it became. It almost became. It became so popular, and I be, I think because of its like so rational, rational and scientific nature, mm-hmm. it became the dominant one, and I think a lot of people started adopting it, and I think maybe principles became loosely adopted, like the the splitting the pitch and five um, vert claims, but, so it started being like that, and then it gets to the point where like you don't really know what's what anymore. Um, You have teams that are extremely positional. They have some aspects of it. And then it, it, it's difficult to tell whether a team is positional, whether they, they play in positional, play anymore or not, I think. But going back to it, I think it, because it requires such a high level of players, obviously not every team has that. And some teams are still trying to implement it. And, I, and then maybe the training is also inappropriate. So it's just a lot that goes into it that when it becomes so popular, it's bound to to go, go off in it. its in its own way.
0: Yeah, but even just in terms of how we see the game, I mean I want to discuss that for a moment because the way we see the game has almost been a branch of that style of play and I know it yeah. sounds strange to say but I'll give yeah. you examples, like we talk about I mean, and it's actually something that is my pet peeve when I read analysis pieces in general or just Twitter threads and things like that when a team who has like just has about 51% of the ball on yeah. average per game and the label possession-based. And then people break down and there's like, this is a possession-based team and they yeah. do this and they create superiorities here. But we do it yeah. all the time in terms of like when a team creates, you know, a, a 3v2 at the back, we say yeah. it's positional play. And I was like, is it? Or is it just a... It
1: became very loosely.
0: Yeah. It's like almost just like, it was thrown around it's yeah. the way we see football is through the yeah. eyes of that style the way we talk about wide overloads overload to yeah. isolate the way we talk about um the different superiorities like numerical qualitative and yeah. and, and, and uh and um I can't remember the other one now tactical Ta- is that it
1: i not sure the social effective which is under the yeah
0: numerical there's anyway there's, there's, there's yeah, another one I can't yeah. remember <laughs> I'm an idiot I can't remember it now but um yeah, even the way we see the game, and it's almost like when you watch a team like Fluminense, you can't watch it through the eyes of positional play because mm-hmm. you will be lost, yeah, completely yeah.
1: lost. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like if I if I watch a Dina side and I try to break things down and go, oh, like minute one, I'm gone because yeah, they don't. And use- I think
1: that's that's I think that's maybe we we should let go of that. We shouldn't we shouldn't yeah. go into it thinking that we are going to be able to pause the game and just understand what's really going on because mm-hmm. I don't think Denise wants to understand or wants to like direct what's going on I think it's just it's just it's up to the players it's not to the pitch and that's what makes it so unpre- unpredictable in its nature mm-hmm. um so so fluid natural and yeah is it
0: a more simpler style of play? In a sense that, you know, when you when you say you watch a Guardiola team, there's a million different things you can tactically break down. But then when you watch a Fluminense on the Dinas, yeah. things are quite, you know, yeah. It's principle difficult to based. Break down. Yeah, it's difficult to break down. But you see a lot of okay, they've kind of centered around the ball here, but it's not done in a manner where it's pattern based or that
1: structure systematic. Structured
0: yeah. systematic. Yes, you can't like okay. So if you watch a City and you see. The Bruyne constantly, as a, as a right center midfielder, or as a right A, he keeps moving over to the left. You know, it's tactical. Yeah. And you say, okay, well, he keeps doing this here. When it comes to Dinas, there's not really that kind of systematic structure in place where you can easily pinpoint what they're doing. It's more yeah. so the principles he yeah. put in place. Do you think it makes them, I suppose, it seems harder to analyze because we're looking at a true positional play, mm-hmm. true positional play lenses. Do you, I mean, as someone who's, you, you've watched a lot of, of Fluminendro and Nadine's, do you think they are quite easy to analyze mm-hmm. or not easy, but do you think they're simpler to yeah. analyze or do you think that they're a yeah. bit more difficult I because think, we're not used to that style? Yeah,
1: it's quite funny. I think it's difficult to analyze in the sense that, it's easier to analyze in the sense that from us, right? But if I'm if I'm Corinthians and I'm going to put, play against them, I think it's incredibly more difficult because mm-hmm you you 10 minutes in you see some patterns and then 20 minutes and you see completely different patterns because it's not something they they go into it like with, with these patterns in mind um i it, it this whole like simpler and more difficult debate i think it has so many dimensions i think to simpler i and i've i've in my eye or my thoughts when i think about going like coaching and stuff mm-hmm. i it seems so much harder in the sense that I wonder myself how do I not let it turn into absolute chaos? Maybe at a lower level where the players don't have that, um, that much of like spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, how do I not let it let it turn into chaos? So I think from a coaching perspective, it's 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 a new topic and there's a lot to explore. But I think it's definitely not simpler because it's it. it you have to really not know what you're doing, but it's just be aware of. Every how it works, um, how to regain order because you do need orders in some 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 or um spaces of the game or some times of the game. But yeah, I think in some in some senses that is simpler, um, especially for us to analyze. There's so many. There's there's only a few really patterns and principles that you look at, but to play against and to really like predict it's just impossible really because there's not, you're not really looking for anything. It's just you, I guess you more, the way to do it is to look at the players who, who is, who's going to play. What's their characteristics. They have Gunsel. He's he's a really 10 player. He's a really, the movement isn't the best, but he is a genius. And then you have maybe John Arias who who run everywhere throughout the pitch Mm -hmm. and, and Kano who's the, who's his number nine. So you kind of really have to go player by player really. And, and look at how the players might move and then how you're going to behave to the players rather than, what we've become accustomed to, which is how do they play? Okay. Mm-hmm. They play a four, two, three, one. We're going to put these numbers here. It's a really create superiority here. It's not like that. You, they may, may have superiority there once, but probably never again in the game. Yeah. It's just really, how do you stop the players? It's really becoming about the individual um, rather than collective. I think that's, that's
0: a really great point. And it's really interesting. It's a really interesting topic because we have, I suppose, almost come to a point where everything in, Football analysis is quantified. We need to quantify yeah. everything in terms yeah. of we got it, we have to put a number on it. Even if you know, I know when I, I do it when I'm writing because it helps the readers to understand what I'm talking about. But if mm-hmm. a team plays a 4-3-3, it's never a 4-3-3. We know it's not yeah. a 4-3-3, yeah. but yeah. you've got to just say it's a 4-3-3 to give yeah. to give readers a basis of where yeah. the players are standing on the pitch. Always it's different because the right winger might come across to the left to create an overload. But you can't yeah. put yeah. you can't you can't put a number on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no number it's, on
0: that. It's just the way this the the structure has, I suppose, has moved. The, the the way the the game has panned out. And then when you watch a team like Flamengo on under their, on their Fernando Diniz, there's no way of quantifying so many things they do. There's no point going yeah. out there and going, oh, well, yeah. they're doing a, using the three-two-five yeah. here. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I can see they're not. They, they I don't know. I yeah. can't put it's, I can't it's, put a number on it, and that it's almost, almost yeah. It stresses out yeah, almost,
1: almost. Mm-hmm. and it's almost. I, I've done it with my Lilo analysis. Um, usually, especially when I first started out, and I used to go into articles, and the first release section I go to is the formations, the yeah. lineups, and then um, with Lilo I just simply put formless because <laughs> I put a, I put a heat map, and then you can see what I'm what I'm talking about. It's just yeah. in one game you have like it, there's nothing really to, to to you can't put a label on it. you can't put numbers on it. It's it's yeah it's really net natural.
0: Do you think then, in terms of... Uh, just staying on the topic of analysis for a minute, and we'll let's look in the eyes of the opposition for, for a moment. We're analysing Fluminense, we're um, analysing Alsad, and we'll get on to Alsad in a bit, and we'll discuss your article from Monday, but say we're analysing these teams, and especially uh, Fluminense, but they are playing a crazy style you've never seen before. You can't quantify the structure they're using on the pitch. Do you go solely on... An individual player-based analysis type, and instead of trying to look at the team overall and the way they try and build here and they play here and here, you're mostly looking at individuals and saying this player does this in this yeah. given time. Yeah. Do you think that will? Do you think it almost changes how we conventionally analyse games of football?
1: Yeah, it does because um, it's just it's just it's it's a lot harder in essence because you go from because I mean I've seen when you go and read analysis of some teams online, it's just, I could tell you what I'm reading before I even read it because it's it's really, but now when you, when you, these, this sort of play or systems are growing, it's it's not really about really numbers or what you, what you can put on the piece of paper mm. anymore. It's just, um you have to look at the individual. I think Fluminense, again, just keep coming back to it, but it is the perfect example. you got Caio Paulista, well, he's going to Sao Paulo now, but last year, um he was, he was a right winger or a left winger, but now he's playing the left back, mm. and then so he has a much more attacking nature. So he's his position is going to be much different to Samuel Xavier, who's the right back. So you, if they're building out the right side, you're going to have to plan something entirely different from the left side. Um, if they and and if they're going if, if they're attacking on the left flank, you have to look at John Arias, who likes to roam so much that you can't really tell what he plays. So, like you said, it just it, it changes the analysis drastically because now you have to prepare for the players you have to look at the what the players are doing it's not yeah it's just it's, it's changed a lot and as these sort of style style sort of styles grow um it'll definitely have to change a lot this the field of analysis
0: defensive blocks have matured with the development of positional play because of the way positional play functions that players want to get in the half bases are between the lines and they want to be able to turn then you've players like De Bruyne, like Bernardo Silva, like Agonduan, that receive. And I'm aware I'm keeping my analysis very um, Man City-based, but to give other examples, of course, Gavi, Pedri, I mean, uh, uh, De Jong even as well. There's a whole host of others. But anyway, um, they want to receive in those areas, maybe on the half-turn or else play toward man passes, toward man runs, et cetera. Defensive, I mean, you look at Spurs from the weekend, they just beat Manchester City. There was... So little space between the lines of yeah, the back yeah. line, and the midfield. I mean, nobody could. Yeah. I mean, the players were getting squashed almost. The Man yeah. City players in between there. Yeah. These defensive blocks have matured because of the way te- positional play. Do you think as a result, then defensive blocks will almost change when they play against a Fluminense? So, to talk to me then for, from someone who's, who's analyzed them before and you've analyzed the whole, you know, te- most teams that play. A very functional style yeah. talk to me about how the how the, the defense of the yeah. opposition have as well as tried to counteract that and defend yeah. against that because whatever every invention there's always or i know it's not really an invention it's kind of a throwback mm-hmm. but still it's a development with every development yeah. there's always someone who's thinking of a way to stop it yeah essentially stop
1: it. yeah i think um you well you can break it down in the three sort of blocks really but um and I'm going to look at it from the perspective of what scenes I've tried to do and it's not really worked, but it's how they're trying to to cope. I think Argentina. If you look at Italy against Italy in that finalissimo against Copa America versus Euro, um, when Italy would try to press high, Di Maria, Messi, a lot of these players would drop into their own thirds so much that Italy would have to commit so many players forward because obviously if you don't, you they easily have numerical the superiority. They play through you. Mm-hmm. And then it created so many transition-like scenarios where the teams are just vertical scenarios are just attacking your goal. And so that, that, it changes the high press. How are you going to high press when it's such a high number? And I think the Zerbi yeah. and uh, Francesco Farioli, they're similar approaches, even though I don't know where you can put them on the spectrum, but it's a similar it's a similar thing with the buildup. Um, going into deeper blocks, I think the Lilo, I had a really good example where, They've got five or six players on one flank, and then to to counteract that, the 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 defensive block has almost entirely shifted over because they I think they had seven players to mm-hmm. combat those five because you always want to have an extra and whatever. But so you they shifted over, and then they didn't realize how much space they had left in the middle, and then it's just a simple ball over the top for for another lap and run. Um, I think I, I'm not entirely sure. What it's going to be, um, but it, it it's it's changing because, um, I think it, it's it almost provokes the opponent. It's like I'm going to group these players over here. Are you what are you going to do about it? Are you yep. going to let me play through you, or are you going to commit and then I'm going to attack you through the other flank? Well, this is um, what
0: my thought process was that when you know you watch a Dean side, they all technically—I don't like using the terms—but they technically overload one side of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. The opposition then will shift the defensive block across. But there's yeah. acres of space for a switcher to the play. Yeah. And then you're leaving yourself exposed to that. And in my mind, I think you'll see almost, especially in the high press. I know we've seen a lot more recently, but you'll see almost more of a throughout the pitch that Marcelo Bielsa-style man marking. Because yeah, and I think that will cause utter chaos. Yeah, I'm I'm all here for it though. I mean, I think that'd be excellent. Imagine watching a Dina's team versus Bielsa. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, and just a note on the man marking. Um, it just comes to mind, but. In Brazil, it was a it's been a, th- a tool that people are using to to counteract positional play because mm. positional play in Brazil, obviously the players are not quite to the level of Barcelona and Man City, but um you had Vitor Pereira at Corinthians and I done a piece on that. It just it was very hard for him to get that in the players and especially the positional rotations. So it became a very static structure. Mm-hmm. And I remember games where they would they would essentially min mark them and they would be completely they would they wouldn't know what to do and then they would just become this thing where they just pass it around, eventually lose it. So they, they're very inoffensive. Um yeah, I think min marking but going back to what you said, I think min marking functional play. It's how extreme can you be in that? Um, I think defensively is gonna it, it's gonna undertake a revolution as well because you have to really Our traditional there's no ways of defending. Have sort of adapted to positional play. It's just like you said. I mean, Morocco's in Spain and Spain in the World Cup is just, it's just really compact in the space, and it's just, it's easier to defend in the sense that you know what you're expecting. Yeah. No, you don't. So it's just I, I'm very curious, and I'm always going to try to look out and and pick out what teams are doing. But yeah,
0: I mean, take it, for example that Morocco performance against Spain. Spain very much a very strict positional play style, and of course they just couldn't break through that. Yeah. Extremely well-drilled, compact four-five-one yeah. defensive block by Morocco, and then of course they knocked out. But as I said, that's happened as a result of positional play. It's an evolution. But you'll see if more yeah. teams play like Fluminense, like you know those sides that play more functional mm-hmm. style, defensive blocks will change again, yeah. and probably become a little more. Open, I want to say, I don't want to say open, but right now, so I'm in mean, Morocco, we're like a, a, a locked door yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah. You'll see teams now going a little more man for man in certain, even in the middle and final, or the, the, the yeah. forced towards, sorry, because teams are so, are going yeah. to be so fluid now. Yeah. You can't really just, you know, try and lock up shop and in, yeah. in, a, in a solid defensive block when teams are overloading you with seven, eight players mm-hmm. on one side. Um, Caio, you are Brazilian, is that correct? Yeah. Talk to me then about the whole GJ you know, I suppose the, the 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 war that happened between or the division that happened amongst fans with GJ yeah. at the World Cup because many weren't happy with the style and this does play into the the topic of this podcast in functional play and relationism because it's very much a throwback to the old school yeah. Brazilian flair style whereas Chiche's style was, obviously we remember that game against South Korea where they were excellent but that was probably the only real example we saw of that um talk to me then about about that because it was very much a a kind of positional play style limiting limiting i feel the players abilities
1: yeah yeah um it was it was a perfect chaos because the year that you have argentina our our main rivals winning in la nuestra which is what they say is their Mm -hmm. style They're, they're and you have Denise growing um, but yeah with Tite it, it's it's an interesting case um, you you go back to 2017 when he just took over it was beautiful to watch and it was really Brazilian and it was similar to how it was at Corinthians in 2015 it was functional I guess before it wasn't even popular but it was just it really mm-hmm. adhered to the individuals um, I think we all know what happened in 2018 it was just it was just I, I'm it was, yeah we controlled and dominated Belgium and with two chances they put us away and I think at least from what I've gathered over the years I think tite started like longing for the sense of control of order to almost I'm gonna look at this but rest possession it was almost a, a tool to to really just have, a, have like the maximum security possible mm-hmm. and you can see in the first two games we Brazil didn't even let us on target and I think that's what he was looking for but it's just. It's it's um you this whole order approach to football it, it only goes so far you 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 can't you can't control chance you can't control gambling um it's just it, football is always going to be up to chance um I think this is where he kind of lost it um so yeah so basically it was a positional play very positional play um approach to attacking to, to football um the players, you have players like Rafinha, like Richarlison, who fit in perfectly, but then you have maybe players like Vinny, Rodrigo, who not so much. Um, and then it, it wasn't really a case of the players didn't buy in because it was such a high level of quality in that squad. It was just such it, it was working, but it's just it goes back to the sense to the to the whole like chaos and order. It's just you want to introduce order, but you can only control chance so much, and then. There's that, and there's the whole division in Brazil that happened because many believe, and I'm including this. I think positional play, and it's and it's history. It's really European. Mm-hmm. Going beyond football, it's just the way the way the the people are, the culture. It's um, you know, in Europe you have a set of rules, um, a, the way things are done, and you can only be a part of society. You can only be a part of the team if you adhere, to, like if you. Play along these rules, mm-hmm. right? Or else you don't really, you can't really fit in. In Brazil, there's a negotiation, and and it's it obviously can be to a fault at times, but it, there's a negotiation always. Um, it's it's in Brazil we call it jeitinho, which is like the way like you, you can make it your own way. Um, that is the way of the play or the mm-hmm. way of Brazil. And I also saw an interview with Denise where he was talking about the player, not the player, the person. Uh, he, he was looking at Brazilian players, their upbringing. Um. It's it's many it's many players uh, who had to like they they've not come from much they've had to sacrifice a lot they have had to fight for everything they have it's really just all, like it, in these scenarios and in these academies it's all like pretty much everyone for himself so when the player gets to the professional team and he get it's happening now they have a Portuguese coach and he tells them nothing against Portuguese it's just the example with Victor mm. Pereira for example. He tells them you're gonna have to sacrifice yourself for the collective. He's maybe not gonna like that so much. Um, so I think it's it, it goes it goes back to the culture, the the, the person, not the player. Um, you have to really consider those factors um, because or else it's just it's just shooting yourself in the foot, really. And it's and I think the division stems from that. I think that many people would rather lose like 1982. would rather lose in their own way rather than losing Europe's way. And that and
0: 1982 side under Tete Santana, I believe, is still, yeah, revered, her, yeah. is still yeah. revered as one of like the greatest yeah. World Cup sides, and yet they, yeah. they didn't win, of course. We yeah. remember Paolo Rossi, the, the, the late Paolo Rossi, a wonderful footballer, won, the, football yeah. won the, the World Cup for Italy. But yeah, I, I, like even when you say about in Europe, it is really interesting because a lot of the style in Europe especially has... Stemmed from the Netherlands because yeah. the Dutch style yeah. obviously kind of spilled into Spain, and then from there, Spain just kind of overtook yeah. everything. You have uh, a little bit of leeway in places like Germany where it's more Germany has all aggressive the and they have their own kind of style. But you like, I mean, I remember when Guardiola went to Bar Munich, there was a lot of people that, I mean, there was when he left Bar Munich, sorry, a lot of people said he ruined German football, yeah. and what they meant by that is what we're talking about here, and it's not his fault. But it's that so many teams copied that style that Germany lost their way a little bit in terms of how they usually Mm -hmm. do things. And and I I understand it to an extent because, again, as we said, positional play was so exceptional at Barcelona. And it's always been exceptional under Pep Guardiola. I mean, look at the success he's had. But teams, I mean, of course, because he's been so successful, teams have copied that. Brazil, of course, under Chiche as well have, have copied that style. Uh, Argentina under, under Jorge Sampaoli. Yeah. They were, ha- copied that yeah. style and they were pretty woeful. And, and this brings me on there to the, you know, Cesar Minotti's quote, where yeah. I think it was after the World Cup in 2018, he was hired again as a near 80 year old man, I believe, um, to talk. He was, uh, as a, I think it was like the, the, the director of Argentinian football, basically. Yeah. And he was talking about how Argentina can't play like peps barcelona yeah. they need to have their own identity yeah and this is where you came in you said what what
1: What? What did you call it their style sorry uh la nuestra which means That's... ours basically
0: oh really okay so ours, la yeah. nuestra is that correct yeah 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 you, you know you kind of alluded to that that they need their own style brazil have almost fallen into the 2018 trap where they're trying to yeah. play a style that doesn't really suit the, the country to suit the field mm-hmm. back home and this is why so many people have called for Dinas to be given the Brazilian job, and I know there's been a lot of pushback on that as well from from the people I've spoken to from what I've read. But there are a lot of people who are looking for Dinas to bring back that 1982 yeah. feel, to the Brazilian squad.
1: I think I think the next manager will will, will be able to tell it, this conversation could could it, it could shed some light into how the mm-hmm. next manager will play out. I mean, I think the only. It's it's a controversial one. I think I think Ancelotti at Real Madrid he really understands this. I think he would not be the end of the world. I mean, it's it's tough to yeah. say, but I think Ancelotti does understand our style. He does. Um, but it is again, it's that thing where like we've never done that. We've never got uh, foreign mm-hmm. managers. Is it's it's yeah, it's a difficult one. I think you'll be able to tell the success, um, a lot from the manager we hire. Um, they were speaking of hiring um Luis Enrique from Spain. I think that would. Be utter chaos really Brazil would erupt because mm-hmm. if you look at that. That's well, the same insane. with Pep
0: though, because Pep recently said in an interview he'd love he, one of his dreams to take over the Brazilian national team. Yeah. But I, I, I think that there'd be a lot of pushback on that from Brazilian yeah. people
1: for this yeah. very reason. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, and it's it's hard because it, it tends to demonize position positional play, but no. it, it's really not that. It's just that it's you have to preserve co- cultures and identities. Yeah. football or else and I think it's not even the case where else I think positional play because of its such a rational scientific nature it became the way to do it It everybody almost accepted it as this is really rational this is it so it dominated everything else and I think that's where it, it went wrong and it's starting to show now um with I mean a lot of yeah there's you can pick out Belgium maybe City aren't doing so well but you can you can pick out specific cases of why it might be not might not be doing so well so I think it's not to say that to, the to, to positional play is a problem. It's, it's, I think it's appropriate. You have, to, you have to know when it's appropriate. I think Barcelona, they're doing so well with it. I think Pimenta, I looked at in Spain, they're doing so well with it. It's really mm-hmm. culture. It's really, um, you have to consider that. You have to consider the players you have, the the people you have. Uh, I think that's a big factor.
0: Yeah. Uh, even when we talk about case studies, I know recently, Ireland, obviously, where I'm from, they appointed Stephen Kenny who Mm. was the former Dundalk manager in the League of Ireland. And he's an excellent, excellent coach. I actually met Stephen Kenny on a plane recently, um, which was weird. I was really uncomfortable because I don't like talking to people. And then he, my dad started talking to him (laughs) about, I won't even say what I was talking about. I don't think I'm allowed to say it on air, but anyway. (laughs) um, Yeah, lovely man, but he came into the Irish team and he very much wanted to play that style. Mm. That almost become a, a... a continent-wide style of that positional yeah. play, with Irish players.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I it's, think his
0: his win percentage at the minute is in the twenties, I believe. Yeah, um, it's it's.
1: We yeah, don't it have that level of players. It yeah, just, we don't have that fun. level
0: of players. We have a lot of players in League One and the Championship, and a couple in the Premier League, of course. But a lot of them are young, and I just feel that I I I love Stephen Kenny, and I love the idea behind it, but I just think. We we've fallen into that trap almost where we have to play this style because it's like we have to be modern. We have to, and it's nothing wrong with being modern. But it's like you you have to play this style mm-hmm, because it's attractive, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Even if you yeah. don't qualify for any competition, yeah. you have to play this style. I think yeah, so, yeah. why do we have to? We like, if I wanted to watch that, I can watch Man City. I can yeah. watch Barcelona. Yeah. Anyway, um, Ireland don't have that culture, mm-hmm. so I suppose it's a bit more acceptable to play that way because we don't have. Yeah. A culture of playing a certain style of football apart from defensive, which isn't, I don't classify as a style really. It's more so a back to the wall. Yeah. We don't have good players, so we got to just bat- yeah. batter down the doors. um One thing I want to talk about though is, and the, the last topic we'll discuss is a man who has been very outspoken on positional play recently. A man you wrote about recently on Monday in an. Excellent article who has just been named the manager of Al Saad, the Qatari giants in the Qatari Super League. He's a man that many credit with certainly enhancing the development of positional play. I watched back his Real Oviedo side recently against Barcelona in 1996 or 7. It was Bobby Mm -hmm. Robson's Barcelona. Pep Guardiola played in that match. And I know Pep Guardiola obviously got massive inspiration from this man because he appointed him at Manchester City as his assistant manager. That man is Juan Malilo. Juan Malilo did a very famous interview during the World yeah. Cup with the Athletic, where I think the opening tagline was something on the lines of football is dead. He was very seemingly in the article, regretful mm-hmm. about creating this monster that we mm-hmm. have discussed called positional play, mm-hmm. this creative this creativity destroying. Machine, mm-hmm. I suppose, swallows up any sort of problem-solving, decision-making, and creativity that a player has within them to a, a more collective beauty.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. How has he gone about rectifying that? Then Al because he's a wonderful case study of a man who, again, was so hell bent yeah. on this style yeah. and has now yeah. pretty pretty much started to kind of back away from it and move towards this more mm-hmm. relationist, functional style.
1: Yeah, I think I think the article, if if I had to pick one section of it, it would be the two touch where he talks about the globalization of that and how yeah. you can go to any any sort of football team now and a lot of the managers will be saying two touches. It's the so it's it's really more he was regretful of the globalization, and it's like we've been saying, um. So that was it, and then I think the World Cup was a perfect case study. I guess that's the way I put it in my article, but it was a perfect one to, to really throw it out there is because you've seen so many games. I, I remember watching one, I think it was Belgium and Croatia and I had to analyze that. And I was just sitting there like Belgium is just, it seems almost like the the, the system is the end goal. It's not really to score yeah. goals. It's to, to, to But I think, um, so yeah, when I read the article, I, I was really thinking to myself, so what, like what now? Like, what is he going to do? Because he, he the article, it aside from the the, the, the I didn't see it until later, but in the article, he, he was, most of it was just shaming what he's created. um. And then, so we spoke about it. And then I went to watch his team and you should have seen the look on my face when I, when I <laughs> started seeing, it was, I, I was watching for in the final third. It was just, um, and then I went back to read the article and then that Sarkis line made perfect sense where he, He was speaking about the individual and Mm -hmm. learning, not teaching, learning. So stimulating the individual, asking questions to really help them figure out, but really adhering to the individual. And I think this is where this is where it really starts to change. This is in this idea, because before you have, like you said, Grealish, you you, you adapt the collective into the individual. Now it's the individual into the collective. How does he how can he contribute the maximum to it? Um, so at outside, he's been in charge for, I think it's been September. It was the second semester of last year. And, um, yeah, I think he, he's experimenting. You can te- definitely tell based on how many times he changes formations, players. Um, but he does have some, ge- not geniuses, but some really special players. Afif mm-hmm. And uh, Afif Kas- and Kas- Casorla. Um, a thief
0: plays everywhere doesn't he my yeah. god I, so, I, I watched some outside games in yeah. preparation for this podcast and he was like as a wingback but he was like over on yeah. as a right central defender yeah. at times picking the ball up. it was crazy
1: my favourite instance was when I looked at the lineups beforehand and Santi Carsola who's he's a really was a wing back, field, he was wingback. <laughs> and then yeah. you go to watch you go to watch the game and there's absolutely nobody on the left wing yeah and then so yeah I think the way he's gone about it is just he's changing he's changed his his, his perspective his p- philosophical mm. like perspective towards football. It's not so much about the managers is, is the one that's meant to find the solutions. Um, it's really now adhering to the players and I think it does a full circle. it goes back to the chaos and, and, and order one. I think he's maybe realized that um, y- there's so many dimensions to it, but it goes back to the sense that there, there's a, there's a ceiling with with order with structural mm. positional play. And and I think maybe he, he he realized that and he's now looking for something else, which happens to be like even to the individual, the relations between them, um, not necessarily maximizing the pitch to, to create all these geometrical passing lines and shapes. It's just what the player, what like what the individual can figure out, what he can do in tight spaces, he can combine and and everything of that sort. So I think he, he's done a full 80 in the sense that it's now really about the player. It's it's really about um, liberty, positional liberty, um, creative liberty, um, it's it, it's if you watch if you put Al Saad and Man City next side by side, you you, it's almost like watching a different sport. So, yeah. I think I think yeah, he he's done. Uh, the the athletic article is basically the announcement, and then Al Saad, he's basically changed completely his approach. I'm curious to see what he would do next. Um, there was a lot of
0: regret in the article when yeah. you read it from his perspective. There was a lot of regret that he, again, created this monster. Yeah. This beautiful monster, may I add, because yeah. I mean, Man City, Barcelona, they played some of the greatest football we've seen, especially in the yeah. modern era.
1: Mm-hmm. It, I but think it, it, it came just... at a
0: real cost, especially yeah. globally, because you have such a a globalization of that style that it's yes. it's killed it has killed creativity to 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 a large extent and he was very regretful of that and actually I just wanted to ask you about the width you spoke about with Al Sad. Mm-hmm. This is something I, I spoke about recently not recently I think it was back in the summer with a, a former TFA analyst Dave, David Cellini who now works as a he's the assistant coach of Varnamo in the Al they he talked about a concept called dynamic width. And what he meant by dynamic width was the same principle we're talking about now. It's in positional play, you use width for to maximize, I suppose, to maximize the width of the pitch in dynamic width, which is again like we talked about here, it's it's you look at width in the sense that why would why would we not have a player come centrally to to receive the ball as opposed to I suppose staying wider? Why Mm -hmm. waste a player wider when there's no need for him to be there? What do you think about that kind of the drawbacks and benefits yeah. of that kind of
1: yeah. concept think, of width. I think the perfect way to put it really, um I read it in, a, in a, the Jamie Jamie Hamilton, one of his articles. Um it, it was something along the lines of the space, you have a certain level of space. The space between Neymar and Messi, it could be the same space between two summer league players. Is it really the same space though? Space becomes subjective. It becomes, mm-hmm. it becomes alive. It, it's something that you can interact with. Me- the space between the Bruyne and Holland sometimes it's, it's it's so large, but they make it seem so little. And when you have like two Sunday League players, for example, it's it's definitely not the same. So I think it's really under well changing your concept of space because maximizing, especially at lower or maybe the players aren't at the highest level, it's not really the best thing to do at times. Um And then. Yeah, so I think it, it's it's width is one of the main things that has been playing around with, um, in this sort of like this thing styles that it's growing. It's it's positional play is one extreme relationism. You see, it can be other extremes. I think in in position or relationism and functional play, you have that really like shortened passing lines. You really want to make it as dense as possible. You really want the players to connect, to to, to be able to relate to each other, to interact and play off each other. Um, And you can't really do that when you maintain maximum width. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's very distinct. And like everything else between the two styles, width is like one of the main um, aspects Mm -hmm. of it.
0: Do you think we'll see a lot of coaches now follow down this path? Because this, I feel, is the beginning of a change and a shift in how people see the game. And there's a lot of coaches now using way more fluid systems like is, like Lilo as well, with Al Saad, and even teams that do with the oppositional play methodology like Garcia, Pimientas, Las Palmas, they've, are, they're not doing it as fixed yeah. as a Barcelona or a Manchester incredibly City. Incredibly
1: fluid. Yeah. yeah, incredibly fluid. Do you think uh, this will
0: be a shift then in the, I suppose, yeah. how teams will operate going forward, how coaches yeah. see the game thinking... There's not just one way to play football. And I know, funny enough, a, a, an Argentina analyst, uh, forgive me, I can't remember his name now, I think it was Manu something, he wrote a book 10 odd years ago called The Guardiolan Paradigm. And Jamie Hamilton shared it on his Twitter as well. It was so interesting. It was like The, Guardiola, the Guardiolan Paradigm, it's almost like there's this is, the beat, this is the end of football. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. a quote in a book, uh, Inverting the Pyramid, Jonathan Wilson's excellent book. Roberto yep. Mancini talks about future developments in football tactics and he said there will be none now yeah. we're at this fixed point where yeah. it's only going to be training I suppose the way things are done in training yeah. like Thomas Tuchel's cutting off the side, like, yeah. the corners of the pitch to make you know an octagon or whatever but it, it, it is interesting that like, there's no more development now in football this is a it's like that's coming from a, a, a yeah. European champion no. by the way a Premier League yeah. winning coach and it's like football tactics is done Guardiola has completed football and it's it's that kind of thing of for so long we did believe that I mean like football was pretty much the same for the last couple of years it it, it was realistically I mean like in terms of the tactical development there wasn't really much after positional play in the sense obviously this relationist functional style isn't anything we haven't seen before it's but it's coming kind of full circle again. Do you yeah. think this is the start now of the uh I I am skirting around using this word, but do you think this is the slow the slow decline or death of positional play into a more fluid kind of functional style?
1: Yeah, I I think I think positional I don't think it's the death of it. I don't think mm-hmm. because um Las Palmas is is the best way to put it. It's it's what you see is Obviously, a lot of people are going to shy away from it now entirely. Um, But then you also have people that stay in the middle, and I think this is where you're going to find, and this is where we're going to go back to a balance, where we can see growth, where we're going to go appreciate some aspects of positionism, not positional play, but positionism, the aspects of seeing the the pitch in in a 2D board, and some some of relationism, which is seen as a live, unpredictable thing. Um, Now we're going to go back to that sweet spot, I hope, where you can take both from each and then you can have a, a team like Las Palmas who are clearly positional play in their approach. You can see some undeniable features like maximum width, like the, the, the vertical channels, but they have such fluidity with their movements. I, um, Their left finger is, I forgot his name, but it's a 19-year-old, so, so good. And he has the freedom to move inside and create. He has the freedom to, to, to link with his, his teammates. So I think... I don't think it's the death of it. I think it's 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 definitely going to become less popular, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that's needed. I think when Agreed. when when Lilo mentions the monster, it's I'm also really it, it, it as popular because if it wasn't popular, it would be it would be, a, it would be a, a beautiful thing to take aspects from so to maybe mm-hmm. use it in in some instances. But um, yeah, I think maybe not the death of it, but it's definitely going to die down a bit, which which is is a good thing. I think it will incentivize new alternatives. It won't be the dominant one because when it was a dominant one, it was a, like you said, it's the death of evolution. Now you can't have anything else. But now when you shy away from it, you give it, you give everything room to grow. You, you have mm-hmm. people who don't really see it one way, it's just multiple ways to go about it.
0: I think, as well, I mean, I know when you look at the Premier League, it's so rich with alternative styles. I mean, there's mm-hmm. it is, let's be real, but. The Premier League is not the be all and end all of football. There's other mm-hmm. leagues, and when you look yeah. at the Spanish league, for example, La Liga, it's very. It's. I feel like it's really hit a, a stagnant point mm. in its in its history, mm-hmm. where a lot of teams play the same on the ball and off the ball. It's four three three in in possession. It's four four two mid block to low block out of possession. It's extremely That's grueling to watch. Man. I mean, only yesterday I watched the uh, Espanol and I can't remember the team they played. It was an old game, but I was just watching it because it was just it was on a mm. certain website that I watched football on for free. Um, but it was just I just felt like I was watching yeah. the same the same two teams play each other, and I just think
1: yeah yeah,
0: there's got to be a, a, an evolution a, yeah. a revolution here. Sorry, where somebody goes, oh yeah. my god, we need to. F- Oh, I yeah. nearly, I nearly swore there. We need to, yeah. we need to change something here because it's yeah. the La Liga, especially, is just so of yeah. to watch I at think, times.
1: Yeah, I think I think Luciano Spalletti It's he's today's Zinedine yeah. like Zidane and Saki in the sense that he has introduced something that maybe people weren't doing. And I think I think the Serie A is it's a top league for just like really considering history and mm-hmm. and, and having such a rich history. Um, and, and can I just say I'm really really happy with um, Sean Dyke back in the Premier League um, <laughs> because you need that you need yeah. you need you need to maintain that. I think I don't want to see managers like him dying down. And down. I, I, I want I want them just to be be around. It's just it's it's so beautiful to see. And, and there's what beautiful more beautiful way to introduce himself than coming on and beating <laughs> Arsenal. I know it's just it's just perfect.
0: One of the most heavy positional play sides in world yeah. football and Dutch ball,
1: exactly Con- just...
0: conquers it. I mean, what a beautiful story that is
1: it shows you you have to maintaining such a wide variety of cultures and style. It's, it's beautiful. You have to, you have to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Kayo, I could talk about this topic forever because it's something I'm just so, so interested in, especially in the recent months after Argentina, of course, won the world cup playing Mm -hmm. quite a different style than others, but, I we should wrap up the podcast there. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on. I hope you enjoyed your 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 first episode on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be and um yeah, I'm always gonna be looking at these sort of topics in my yeah. Twitter and my and my um my articles.
0: I doubt it's the last time we'll have a podcast episode on mm-hmm. this, and I doubt it's the last time you'll be on the podcast. I think this is mm-hmm. a really interesting topic for us to revisit in the future as well. Yeah. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed too. Well, make sure to tune in on Monday, as Brian and I have another our episode of the TFA Scouted Podcast for you all. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and families as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.